Welcome to the Remarkable Dentist Podcast with me, Fred Joyle, where I interview amazing dental practice owners digging into their successes and failures, their insights and hindsights, getting their views on where dentistry is going, and discovering what it took for them to become remarkable. Hi, I'm Fred Joyle. Welcome to the Remarkable Dentist Podcast. Once again, I am talking to a really interesting and successful dentist who has a, a great story. I'm really interested in hearing his uh, journey from being an associate to ownership in a, at a very, fairly rapid pace. His name is Dr. Jordan Tucker, and we're going to be talking to him and finding out how this happened and all the challenges that he faced. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Fred, thanks for having me. So you're a fair, you're, you may be the youngest dentist I've had on the podcast, which is <laughs> great because I think young dentists are very interested in, in what the heck they're going to do when they get out of dental school. So I'm going to ask you first, what got you interested in dentistry to start with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what got me interested in dentistry, I would say, was the hands-on uh, approach of working with your hands, uh, the people skills and interaction with uh, people on a uh, daily basis, multiple different people, um, and the sense of satisfaction and being in control of your, of your career, of your life. Um, not a whole lot of careers offer all those things. Um, and dentistry was the one that hit the nail on the head for me. And so there's no family background of dentistry, no parents, grandparents that uh, pointed you in this direction. Yeah, I wish that would have made it a lot easier um, <laughs> when it came to ownership. Um, but no, my grandfather on my mother's side uh, was a old country doctor. Um, and my, uh, grandfather on my father's side was a coal miner. Uh, and so not a whole lot of dentistry background, uh, there at all. Now, would you say country doctor, we're talking about house call kind of guy, right? House in, a, in, a, in a small town. Give me, exactly. give me the dimensions. This is West Virginia. Correct. Yes. Very small so, town, um, I would say. I wouldn't even know a number to put on it now because when he was there was the pinnacle of when the coal mines were operating and, and the town was hustling and bustling. And today uh, there's very few people <laughs> remaining there. But the type of doctor that drove to your house, delivered a baby in the middle of the night, got paid with eggs and apple pies and uh, woke up and did it all again the next day. Not bad currency when you get down to it, but it's hard, <laughs> hard to build a, you know, a retirement plan with that. But that's, I mean, that's so great. That's such an interesting time period in America that that, that was happening. And so, but from that now uh, that was, it was your father's father that was a coal miner. Correct. Uh, Okay, so your dad became a professional, though, didn't he? Exactly, yes. So my father is an attorney. Yeah, he is an attorney. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good transition. So, so 
that's a, that's another great American story is the the dad works hard. That's about as hard as you can work coal sure. mining. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. And uh, and his son manages to get himself through uh, law school and become a, a successful professional. And and now his son is the greatest profession of all time. Dentistry. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. Where'd you go to school? Give me the, the educational background on you. Sure. Yeah. So born and raised in West Virginia. Um, undergrad was at Shepherd University. I uh, played football there, actually. And dental school was at West Virginia University. And as far as the education goes there, uh, Shepherd was a very uh, liberal arts type of school. Um, and um, not the huge classroom size that you would get at a lot of major universities, which, you know, playing football and trying to get the grades to get into dental school, I think would have proved much greater of a challenge at a, in a classroom where you're one of 300 kids versus having the opportunities to uh, speak with the teacher um, and get extra uh, help if, if needed uh, in those more difficult classes. Um, that, um, you know, wouldn't be an option in when you're just a number, uh, in a classroom where you're just a number versus knowing, knowing the students by name. Uh, and then West Virginia university and dental school was, I would say fairly smaller class size as well compared to other dental schools. We had, I think 54, 53 kids when we started in my class, um, and great hands-on experience. Uh, I don't know what it's like at other dental schools, but West Virginia has a reputation for not having the best teeth and <laughs> what, what better place to go learn to fix teeth than a place like that. Right. So I graduated dental school with a lot of experience um, doing multiple procedures that a lot of dental students don't get the opportunity to perform in dental school. Um, so very, very fortunate to have that uh, background. Yeah, that last year, 2020, was a, a terrible year for a lot of dentists who were D4s. Uh, and because their residency, they got they get very little practice, a, a lot of them. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, did maybe a couple of crowns. Uh, you, you probably did 30, 40. You did extractions. You did partials. You were you you got real good hands-on training because of the size of the school. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of dentists are getting that when they become an associate, they, they really don't develop the, the skills and the, the, the experience of dealing with that many different types of cases. Cause every, everybody's a little different. And if you're, if you're presented with people with neglect, you're going to learn something. Uh, so uh, a lot. Very, a lot. very interesting that, that that's that was your pathway. So then you uh, now you, you want to you're you, you're in good shape. So I'm believing there's a football scholarship in the mix here somewhere that <laughs> uh, that 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 helped you with your college. Is that true? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, was on was on scholarship, uh, a dual scholarship, actually. So uh, football scholarship. So athletic as well as an academic scholarship. There's a program in West Virginia called HISTA, H-S-T-A stands for health science technology Academy. Uh, long story short, it gives, uh, 
students an opportunity to have all their tuition, both undergrad and uh, professional school, paid for um, if if you go in state, if you go in state for school. And there are certain requirements and measures you have to meet uh, through high school and college in order to to have that granted to you. But um, very fortunate to to be a part of that program and have that opportunity. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I, it's so interesting how sometimes that specific thing exists that gives you just a a, a better track, you know, a, a, just a higher quality education. I mean, I, I look back personally, my high school was so rigorous in my education that by the time I got to college, I was way better educated than the freshmen and sophomores in that were in college. And it was in Boston College. It wasn't uh, a, 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 you know, a community college or something like that. It was a hard school, but it was the opposite of what you're talking about. I mean, I can, my, my first classes, four or 500 people in my freshman yeah. year in that class. Right. I, I, the professor was a, a tiny little figure at the front of the room. I never right. got to know him. I actually switched to the University of Rhode Island after two years and really got to know professors, they actually became my friends a lot of times. Uh, sure. And that made an enormous difference in my education. We're going to circle back to some of the people that influenced you along the way, but I want to, I, I want to hear what you came out and you became an associate. So talk about that. Sure. Um, when I graduated dental school, looking for associate opportunities, and ended up in Greenville, North Carolina, where I worked for a year in a group practice. There was three offices, uh, three owners, doctors, and uh, myself um, as, an, as an associate. And I worked out of two offices. One of the offices was very similar to my experience uh, at West Virginia Dental School, where it was a rural area uh, where the patients more or less were like, hey, doc, if, if you're not going to do this, I'm not driving all the way to Greenville to have it done. You're just going to have to pull the tooth out, um, that kind of thing. So um, got, a, got a lot of great experience there uh, in, in, that, in that environment, um, doing all kinds of different procedures. And you kind of figure out what you like, what you don't like. And, uh, you know, you, you start to think what your time is worth and not doing a procedure just because you can, but um, doing a procedure that's, that's going to be an effect, an efficient use of your time and um, great un, an invaluable experience um, on in every facet of dentistry from the, the time management side to the procedural side uh, in that, in that town and, and in that associateship. And then you jumped to another practice. You moved again, right, into uh, a practice in Morgantown? I did, yes. Uh, moved, uh, moved back home, closer to home, and uh, uh, practice in Morgantown, where uh, I was introduced to Dr. Uh, Robert Martino and, and his offices there, and uh, was introduced to Fortune Management and the way that they uh, operated practice. And from a employee um, side of things to the patient side of things, it was a complete night and day switch from what had, what I had grown used to in North Carolina. And I was 
impressed is, I think is the best word there. Uh, very impressed. Um, I was, I was happy to be a part of it and it's where the seed was planted in my head that if, and when I ever become an owner, that this is a, a good way to do business. This is a good way to, to, to operate things from a day-to-day standpoint. Yeah. The systems that fortune brings in, in just having coaching, just the, a lot of dentists don't learn early on the value of coaching, which is kind of, uh, unfortunate because they, you don't have to reinvent the wheel on a lot of this stuff. It's been done. There's a lot of confusion. People talk about being a dentist is you're an entrepreneur. It's like an entrepreneur kind of invents a business pretty much from scratch. You may be pulling things from various things in the environment that, that he or she's learned, but they, they got to create a lot. Sure. Dentistry, it's all been done right. This is just finding out how to do it right. Uh, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You can just get some coaching. Now, uh, I'm going to reflect back on your football days. I think, did you have what you, you felt was strong coaching in your high school years? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. In high school and, and even more so in college. Um, and mm. in, in, in high school, I was we had great coaching. We were also blessed with, with a number of very successful athletes that were just happened to be born in the same town in the same year and play on the same team. Um, and, and achieved a lot of, uh, successes together. Of course, a great coach, you know, brings all those individuals together to perform as a team. And then in in college as well, uh, coach Monty Cater at Shepard, excuse me, um, has a, a, a record for, you have to do, double check the history books here, but the most active winnings coach among all levels in uh, college football, uh, something along those lines, uh, very, very uh, instrumental, very inspirational uh, individual and that I was uh, honored to, to have been coached by and left a, a huge impression on, on me and um, how the right way to do things, uh, from a, from a team standpoint. Um, and, and those, you know, I think you put your blood, sweat and tears into something for a certain amount of time and whether you like it or not, it's a part of you. (laughs) And uh, I'll tell you this, uh, being in, uh, the boss of a lot of females, you, you learn that you can't, you can't, maybe handle things. So you have to kind of dance around the wording and, and how and the and delivery of how you would say things compared to a, a football team, obviously, but um, the, the main ideas yeah, yeah. and the principles are the same. I'm picturing <laughs> that that certain verbiage would not fly as well in a dental practice with what, what coach would be yelling at you uh, on the <laughs> sidelines and, and in the lineup, you know? So uh, Luckily, the, I wasn't the guy that got yelled at very often, but uh, <laughs> when, when I did, you know, I learned, I learned from it and didn't made sure I did what I could to not let it happen again. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, that, that's great. So now you're, you're working in uh, Dr. Martino's, but he has, he had multiple practices at that time, correct? He did. Uh, yes. Uh, multiple practices. And the way it was set up, it was, you're very, you're very, um, oh, what's the word, I guess, chaperoned when, when you got started in terms of there was uh, multiple different owner 
doctors and that were great at certain areas of dentistry. And if you wanted to learn more about doing root canals, we'll go to this office in this town. You'll spend a week with Dr. So-and-so and he'll walk you through, you know, how uh, he was able to, to be successful uh, doing root canals the way he does. And then if you want to learn, learn about implants, so we have another doctor in another town that's really good at that and go spend a week there. And um, if, if you want to know about business, give, give uh, Rob a call uh, and uh, he'll, he'll tell you all, all about it, uh, what, he, what he knows and what he recommends and um, what, a, what another invaluable experience uh, to draw upon when, uh, you know, when I was taking into consideration the future endeavors uh, of being a, a dental office owner. Now, was was Bobby practicing at that point or had he stopped already? Oh, um, you've known. How long have you known Dr. Martino? Uh, probably 10 years at this point. How long, so. how long uh, of those 10 years had he been practicing? None. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, he'll tell you, he says, as, as a dentist, I'm a terrific CEO. You know, it's that he he's that he he be, he very passionate and very good at the business side of things. He's just, he's just a very smart businessman, but he also, he learned a lot. He, he, he saw what systems worked and he incorporated them into his practices. But I love this idea that you tapped into this thing where you could just rotate through offices and get this very advanced, very localized and very focused clinical training. Uh, that's, that's an accelerated program. If I ever heard one, that's, that's, uh, uh, certainly a blessing and, uh, it puts you in a position where you could branch out and start your own office, which is the next step, right? You, you finally decided that had to happen. And there were a couple of factors involved in that, correct? Oh my, uh, yes. And, and, and I would say too, being in a position where, you're a dentist <clears throat> taking time out of your day to show another dentist these things, I think is a factor of success. Um, success allows certain opportunities to people. Uh, one of those is time. And, you know, you can go through the busy hustle bustle of the day and not take time for anybody else or anything else other than, you know, what's on your schedule and, and what's going on in the office in that day. But uh, when you can almost uh, turn around and, and reach back and help the, the next guy coming along kind of thing, um, there's, there's a lot, a lot to be said about that. Uh, and, and that was, that was huge. Um, and, and just a, a representation of, of doing things the right way, uh, how to do things the right way. Um, so yes, took those experiences and uh, moved to Texas and was looking to become an office owner um, after a brief stint at a corporate office, a brief stint, a year and a half or so, a little longer, almost two years, um, and was another night and day flip from doing things that are I'm impressed by when working with this group that I'm impressed by to working in an environment that was, it seemed, you know, unorganized and very hectic and, and stressful and maybe motivations weren't uh, in the right places as they should be from a lot of people that were making the decisions and um, very, very eye-opening into, hey, you know, dentistry 
isn't just this, you know, single entity and this is what it is or what it isn't. It can be a plethora of multiple different things. Um, and you're only in control of that if you're the owner of the office. That's the, the main takeaway that I got from that. So um, if, if I wanted to do things a certain way, uh, that was only going to happen if, if I was the one in control making the decision. So I uh, started looking for an office in Austin um, and ended up just outside of Austin in a town called Pflugerville and uh, took over a practice that uh, was started in 2008 was sold to a corporate office for about almost two years. And you take private practice patients and you throw in a corporate business model. And the result of that is a lot of them left. Um, and yeah, so I, sure. I took, I took over after a lot of these patients had already left and that, it's more of a de novo startup. I rebranded the office um, and completely, you know, changed, changed everything from the collar of the walls to, um, how, how we were doing business and the types of dentistry we were doing. And, um, here we, here we are today, but that was, that was an adventure, um, you know, from day one to, to now that I'm sure we can, we can touch on, uh, specific we're going to, we're going to peel that open for <laughs> yeah. sure. But, but another interesting thing that happened to you is you got to work with, with Bobby Martino, but really see how many things were done really well. And then you also, this, it's very instructive to go see things not done well. I mean, my experience in business, I went before I created 800 Dentists, my partner and I, we had worked in great businesses with great bosses and bad businesses with bad bosses, really badly run. Both of those things are incredibly instructive as you build your own business, because it's almost like dating. It's like you find out who you don't want to date just as much as who you'd like to be with. Uh, and so 100%. that's very good as much as you probably didn't enjoy a lot of that year and a half or so uh, in the, in the corporate environment, it, you, you pulled a lot of information out of that, that you're going to carry with you uh, for all your days, basically. Uh, so, where, but, but we didn't, why, why are you in Texas? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I ended up coming to Texas with my uh, fiance who uh, graduated medical school and her residency placed her here uh, in Texas. So uh, came along uh, for the, for the ride. And uh, once we were, once we were here and kind of got to lay the land and realized this Austin's not a bad place to be. Uh, we decided to, you know, plant some roots and, and buy a practice and uh, do some uh, permanent things. Um, thank, thank goodness that the, the time of when we moved here was when it was compared to now, because I don't know if you've seen the, the housing market uh, in the Austin area <laughs> lately, but I yeah. couldn't afford to buy my house now if I had to. <laughs> well, that's because everybody, you know, is moving from California to Austin. And yeah. we think we think a million dollar house is like a free house. You know, right. Uh, right. So, yeah. you know, you can't get a decent condo here in Los Angeles for that. So they, they're they're selling their places and moving there. And they're all like, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll overbid this house. I feel like I'm underbidding. So yeah, we, we kind of exploded the market. Um, <laughs> so uh, good timing there. Now is your, is your wife going to be a GP or, or, or what's her specialty? Yeah. She finished up actually just this past um, 
this spring uh, in emergency medicine. So she works in the emergency room um, where um, there's the patients don't the patients need her. Right. So it's a very d- different perspective from, you know, how she handles patients to how I handle patients where more <laughs> or less, you know, dentistry is viewed upon as elective more or less. And, and in an emergency room, it's, um, you know, they're, they're there usually because they're having one of the worst days of their life. Right. So, yeah. uh, yeah. It, you, she sees a lot more gunshot wounds than you do probably. So, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I never see gunshot wound. <laughs> So, uh, so that's terrific because I I mean, you, two, two great professions, uh, but, but, but there's a huge contrast in in terms of her career, but so she, she dragged you to Texas because you got to go where you got to go for your residency, right? That's my understanding of, of medical residency. So, and you, you got portable skills, uh, right. So, right. Uh, and so you there you are in Texas. Uh, what happened? How how did it go? <laughs> right. Well, um, so yeah, well, how'd you pay for it? That's 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 were you able to borrow money? Is that was that your strategy? People want to know how the heck do you buy a practice these days. So yeah. Um, yeah, great question. Great question. Um, same as the housing market, the same thing was true with the with the dental market at the time, where corporate, uh, private equity funded, uh, corporate offices were buying any office that was worth a darn that was cash flowing. Right. And paying, uh, cash above the asking price, um, kind of, uh, out competing the, the sole, uh, dentist who, uh, was looking at that same office. And, um, it came, it came down to what the seller's motivating factor was. If it was just, Hey, this is my retirement. They didn't care who bought it. Right. Or if, if, Hey, this is, you know, uh, more to me than, than just dollar signs, then, uh, there was other, you know, factors that went into those decisions. But, um, so with, with this office, because a lot of the patients left and it was not cash flowing, um, a bank would not fund, uh, that, that purchase. So, um, we ended up doing seller financing and, and working out, um, a note from, from that perspective. And, um, I, I can, I can say that, you know, what, what it paid for the office versus what it's cash flowing now, um, was absolutely 100% not easy to get it there, but absolutely 100% worth it in the long run. Yeah. So you, you basically bought a practice that was unappealing to corporate because it it had been, well, corporate had declined it already, right? Corporate had come in. It was owned by corporate. I bought it from corporate. You bought it out of corporate. That's uh, right. That's a great move. I love that. Right. And, right. <laughs> and so, but, but after that, it was smooth sailing. Everything kind of uh, all fell into place. Right. That's, that's what <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I think, um, you know, there's, you, you learn a lot about yourself too, because you are an individual and, and re- rely on yourself for, uh, a lot of, a lot of things, um, you know, going through college and, you know, your grades are, you can't blame anybody but yourself, right. If you, if you're not making A's, um, on, on the football field, you can't blame anybody but yourself. If you didn't know the playbook or if you didn't prepare for, you know, the team you were playing that week, um, or you didn't work out hard enough and workouts. Um, and then when it comes to a dental office, 
you can't do it all. And yeah. I've tried, trust me, <laughs> you cannot do it all. You're so, you're so uh, reliant on your team and the people around you, uh, the culture, everything. Um, and that takes time. That, that takes time to um, specify what, what it is that you actually want, because you go into it thinking one thing and you know, the reality is something is very different than the idea of it and, and figure out you want something completely different than what you thought you wanted. And um, then you need to have people around you who are better at uh, things than you are uh, to to achieve what needs to be done. Uh, because if, if you're the if you're the best person for every job, uh, then then why are you paying those those people to do it? You know what I mean? So um, not not. Uh, settling for something that's 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 less than your your ideal um keeping 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 faith and trusting the process and um and one one day that that it all clicks it all clicks so uh gene williams is your uh fortune coach uh jennifer Surratt. jennifer jennifer okay yeah uh gene is the one that recommended that I uh, interview you. That's why I'm thinking. That. I work with Gene. Uh, I work with Gene indirectly through Jennifer. Uh, but yeah. no, yeah, they're both they're both phenomenal. Both yeah. phenomenal. And and so, did you bring them in right at the outset as you were acquiring the practice, or did it? Uh, you figure out you needed them at a certain point. Yeah. So funny enough, I I I didn't know uh, that I was experiencing the benefits of fortune management when I was working with Dr. Martino, um, you know, never saw the, the coaches in, in office, um, never saw the, um, where, where things were coming from. I just knew that I liked what their approach, um, yeah. to the field and talked to Dr. Martino a lot in terms of, you know, evaluating these practices and which one's a good one, which one's not, what's, key things to look for all those all those things when you're looking at buying a dental office um and that's when he told me about you know fortune and and where to where to move forward with them i think it was the second second month in um because you know when you're <laughs> when you start up uh, a practice like that and you're not getting any working capital and things of that nature um you're looking at the bottom line very tightly and seeing what these expenses are and um you know coaching you know almost seems like uh and an extravagance right yeah yeah yeah, it's, so, yeah, yeah. that's a privilege that's not a necessity uh that's not a necessary expense and but you know, my, I've gotten some good advice along, along the way. You can never pay too much for a good attorney. You can never pay too much for a good accountant and coaching goes the same, the same way. Um, and, um, so, uh, despite, you know, my in inclination, I, I went ahead the second month in and, and started coaching with, with fortune. And, um, I'm so grateful, <laughs> so grateful that I made that decision, uh, because, you know, going through, uh, the end of 2019 into 2020, and then everything that, you know, COVID impacted all of us and, uh, what, what to do and where to look and resources and, uh, PPP and, uh, all the different things that were going on. If, if I did not did not have a, a resource and a, and a team to help me through that, um, 
being a new practice owner as it was and not really knowing, you know, kind of what was uh, going on uh, to begin before COVID. Uh, that was, that was an invaluable resource to have. And uh, I can't, uh, I don't think that would have, things would have shaked, shaked out on the other side of COVID uh, had I not had that. I'd say that. Yeah. But uh, they had a, a very comprehensive playbook that they put into position very early on to help everybody through this. And, and, the, the practices that applied it really, they came out strong. They, they wrote it out and some of them had their best year uh, yeah. because of it. Uh, so uh, give me some of the challenges that you're facing now, like what, a, a recent thing that's, that's come up in your, in operating your practice. Um, let me see. <laughs> um, a couple of things. I would say one, when it comes to your team, um, titles don't mean anything and titles don't mean anything just because someone calls themselves an office manager <laughs> does not mean that they're an office manager. Um, uh, and, uh, so, so that's been huge is, you know, not, uh, what's the, the quote from Winston Churchill, trust, but verify, right. Uh, trust, but verify. Um, uh, another, another challenge is staffing in of itself in this market. Well, I think it's nationwide really that a yeah. lot of people are having, uh, trouble, uh, staffing and, and getting good staff and, and things of that nature. Um, so that's, that's always, um, that's, that's, that's the challenge everybody's facing. My approach to that has, has been this, that, you know, good people like to work with other good people. Um, and quite often I find that good uh, employees are feel very underappreciated uh, in in their efforts when you know they know that they're the hardest working individual there and that nobody else cares and that they're just the other ones are going through the motions and and they're you know passionate about it and and no one recognizes that they just see them as you know uh, one of the other uh, you know clock punch punch in punch out and and go about your day kind of thing and um, with, if those people get an opportunity to work with other good people and it's, they're genuinely appreciated, uh, for the hard work that they do, um, you can, you can, you can find them, you can find them, you can get them on your team. Um, and usually that's through referrals, right? Because dentistry is so small, everyone's worked with uh, almost everyone in a certain town. If you've been there, uh, for enough, enough time and, you know, you, you hear and you know, and you know, who, who good ones are, who good ones are not. Um, and, uh, things, you know, the balls in your court in terms of, you know, how you want to handle that, that handle, uh, that hiring approach. And, uh, so we have different ways of, of doing that incentives for referral bonuses and things like that. But, um, I, I would say this, Dennis, that are, that are listening to this, if you have, if you have good people on your team, let them know let them know that they're doing what's expected of them and meeting and exceeding expectations. And, and you're happy to have them on the team because just a thank you goes a long way. Just a thank you. Uh, doesn't, doesn't have to be a huge bonus paycheck or anything along those lines. People just like to know that, that they're appreciated and that their hard work doesn't go unnoticed. Yep. I remember an office manager telling me this story is that she worked for a dentist for about 24 years and every day at the end of the day, he thanked her for her, for the, the work that she did that day without fail. He could be on the phone and he'd, and she'd be walking out and he'd say to the person he was talking to, hold on a minute. And he yeah. would say, uh, you know, Angela, thank you. Another great day. Have a good night. 
she never forgot it because she eventually he retired. She eventually had to work somewhere else. And she went like, I don't get that anymore. Exactly. Uh, so and you notice it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So she's feeling the gap. She's feeling the absence of appreciation. It is, right. it is one of the foundational tools of creating a great culture. And culture, as you're saying, culture attracts quality people um, and retains them. Uh, because they've, it's even better if they've been at some place where they went like, yeah, the money was all right, but I just, I was never looking forward to getting there. You know, you want a place where they like, they can't wait for Monday because they're going to see all their friends, you know, and they're going to, you know, everybody's going to get a lot done and the day's going to go by like lightning and, and, you know, uh, everybody feels good about what they've done and feels good about working together. That's, that's so powerful and so much more essential in a dental practice than a lot of other businesses because you're in retail healthcare. You're giving right. you're you're dealing with people who are making all sorts of choices based on how much they trust you right. uh, and how good they feel in the office. We're just feeling creatures wandering through the world, you know. And when you find a great dentist with a great team, you accept more treatment. That's the economic reality of how, how people behave. So exactly. Uh, exactly. Patients so, don't know good dentistry from bad dentistry. They just know if you hurt them and if they enjoy being there and in their experience or not. Um, it's it's a, human nature, not it's it's normal not to enjoy being laid back in a vulnerable position and have your head drilled on with sharp, you know, objects. That's, that's normal. That's normal. Not to want yeah, there's to nothing weird strive about to that, go to right. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, if you can make the patient laugh a couple of times along the way and make, you know, their financing easy on them and uh, make them feel warm and welcome and, and cared about uh, and, and even patients appreciating them, trusting you with, uh, with their dental care because they have a choice. Um, and uh, just, all, all those things. It's really, it's really easy to get overcomplicated in this industry too, Fred. I'll tell you that there's so many resources and, and answers of how to do things and you can really overcomplicate it. Uh, you don't have to try hard. Um, I, I struggled with that when I first got started coming from, you know, the experiences that I had and, and looking into, you know, what, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like you said, you don't have to figure this out how to do it. Uh, but you can pick from the playbook of all the other ways that people are doing things. And, uh, you figure out what works for you, what doesn't and what you want, stick to your vision. Um, and, and keep it simple, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Uh, because when it's overcomplicated one, it takes too dang long to explain it to everyone else <laughs> and, and sure. patients too. And, and all, and then that's just time that just needs up time. And at the end, if they don't even understand it, what did you gain from that? Right. So keeping things simple, treating people the right way, uh, patients and, and team and everything else takes care of itself more or less. So what do you think? Do you think, uh, you'll what's, what's next for your practice? Do you envision big changes, gradual changes, multiple facilities? What's, what's the, is it, what's your five-year vision? Yeah. Um, great question. And that's changed since, uh, you would ask me that question six months ago, probably would have had a different answer. Hmm. Um, my original view, uh, point was multiple practices. I used to want to go down that road and what, what I'm finding out is, like I said, uncomplicating things and, and 
it's way less complicated when you only have one compressor to worry about blowing out than, than three or five. And you only have uh, one office team to, to manage and, and deal with and employ as opposed to, you know, five different entities uh, working, working separately, five different teams working, working separately. Um, and so, so what we're doing um, is that multi uh, specialty practice under one roof. So, you know, we have some specialists that come in an oral surgeon uh, and an endodontist um, and, and we try to make it so the patient doesn't have to leave our office for anything that they, they may want or need. Um, granted, there's going to be special occasions, you know, if, if you're going to require general anesthesia for some specific oral surgery or yeah, you're going to have to get referred, you know, but, uh, the majority of times, uh, we don't have to do that. Uh, we keep everything in house and, um, try to, uh, make it a one-stop shop for, lack of a better term. Um, the, the newest thing, um, is we just added two chairs and a C-Rack. Uh, so that should, well, who knows what the backup and supply chain right now, when it's going to be delivered, but once, <laughs> once, once it gets installed, uh, looking forward, looking forward to taking advantage of, of that for sure. Yeah. Uh, being able to, to make those crowns right there is, is going to be a game changer for you. Uh, I love the idea that you figured out what a lot of dentists learned the hard way, which is uh, two practices are a great way to work twice as hard for the same money. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, multi-specialty is, is an absolutely a, a terrific way to go. And it's very patient centric. Uh, as you're saying, it's like that, the, make it so they don't ever have to leave unless it's really something specific. And you, and you can explain it. You say, look, this is very complicated surgery. This, this is going to require going to an oral surgeon for this, or, or this root canal is something that I, I really want to send, uh, you to a, a specialist, a different specialist for, um, sure. but you know, technology is, is going to be part of it. And, uh, and then all of these individual specialists within the facility, the, the more specialists you have there, the, the more you can actually create the consultation with the patient. You can say, look, I'm going to bring in our endodontist right now. And so she's going to talk to you just about why this needs to be done. Suddenly they feel like, wow, I've, I've got a team working for me to make me healthy. It's, it's very powerful. And it, it gives them a lot to talk about when they go out. They first, it makes them loyal, but then they're out there saying, you know, I I've seen the new age of dentistry and it's fantastic. Do you know, Dr. Tucker has a whole different approach to it and I love it. So good for you. So it's, um, it speaks for itself. Yeah. It speaks for itself. You know, any patient um, hopefully has been going to the dentist the majority of their lives. It won't, it won't take long to, realize the difference in one office compared to another that, that it doesn't take long. You know, if you're left in a room by yourself for 30 minutes in a, a quiet room uh, by yourself, facing a wall, uh, no idea what's going on or if they forgot that you were even there, you know, we've all had those experiences somewhere along the line in our lives, um, you know, versus someone who is making you feel like you're the most important person in that uh, entire facility um, that, I mean, that's that speaks for itself and, and patients can see the difference. Uh, you don't have to um, do, do, do a lot to, to let them know that, you know, 
good work uh, and, and doing things the right way um, speaks for itself and, and people realize it. Okay, so what would you talk to somebody's a D4, somebody's uh, coming out of dental school? Uh, they're, they're D4 now. So right now we're talking and it's mid October. So whenever you're watching this person, you people, you know, uh, our time frame, um, and they're saying, uh, what do I do? What, what would, what would you say to somebody that went to your school? Like if, if they brought you back to, uh, West Virginia dental school, what would you, what would you say to the class? What would, what would be the one or two things you would make sure they want, they understood? Uh, yeah, I would say number one, you got to get your hands dirty uh, and you have to try as much as you can as the, anything that's at your disposal. And at West Virginia, particularly there's, there's not a whole lot that you, you can't get your hands on, uh, when it comes to dental procedures there. Um, because you have to figure out what you, what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And what better time to figure that out when it's not under your license and, <laughs> and in your liability. Uh, but you're, it's in a learning environment where, uh, if, if things don't go as planned, the consequences are a lot fewer uh, than otherwise, you know, when you're practicing dentist. And then that's the other consequence of that. If you don't learn those things in dental school, right, then you're, it's, it's outside of some really specialized CE, you're more, uh, more or less not going to attempt to do anything that you're not confident and, and comfortable with doing. Um, so got to get your hands dirty, number one, and do as much as you can figure out uh, the trajectory that you like to go in and, and the dental industry. Um, after that, um, go to a place that you don't want to be forever uh, as an associate. And, and the reason why I say that is with restrictive covenants and things like that. If you love that place and you want to buy an office and, and be an owner there, well, with a restrictive covenant, that's going to be a lot more difficult to do as opposed to, you know, figuring things out and, and um, then taking all those experiences back to a place that you want to live full time. Right. So um, that, that'd be the second thing. Get, find, your, find a good associateship that you're going to have some guidance with. And a lot of them say that say that they'll have guidance and, and they'll guide you and they'll teach you and so forth and so on. And then it turns into they don't have time. <laughs> They're busy. Yeah, they, just, uh, they just put you on the assembly line and that, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's great advice. Uh, I, I, and, and a little bit counterintuitive, the other, that I, I, let's just explain to those who don't understand the restrictive covenants. If you're in dental school, when you come out and you become an associate, you're not going to be able to, you're going to sign an agreement and it's going to prevent you from, taking patients with you usually and working within a certain radius of that practice as part of the deal, which is a fairly reasonable thing to ask. There's very few uh, associate agreements that don't ask for those two things. So right. they are right. restrictive covenants in the agreement. So very good little piece of advice. I haven't actually heard that. I really love that. It's like, <laughs> don't do your associateship right where you want to work the next 20 years. Right. <laughs> Cause yeah. you won't be it able to, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have to pick right outside where you want to work. So exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, 
Jordan, thank you so much. This is this has been a, a fascinating story, and I think there's so much for people to to glean from this. And uh, I look forward to seeing where you go from here, and and when you start to incorporate more technology and and face more challenges. Uh, love to get you back on and and do a a checkup, do a, a, a exam and cleaning of your uh, of your trajectory. So uh, thank you very much for your time. I, I wish you continued success and, uh, you know, and thank you for your, to your fortune coaches that recommended to bring you on because I think this just made uh, a terrific show. So uh, thank you. And I, I'll, I'll see you soon. I'm sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on Fred. I appreciate the opportunity and um, any, any um, six month checkups you want to do, I'll be, I'll make sure I'm, uh, I'm ready for them. <laughs> Good. Yeah. We don't want, I don't want you to go like two, three years without recall. So, uh, just sounds so, familiar. <laughs> yeah. uh, so everyone out there, uh, if you like the podcast, share it, subscribe and uh, recommend it to people. And then the rest of the time, keep on becoming remarkable. <laughs>